From Studio 113, this is the Changing Energy Podcast, recorded at Wake Electric. Welcome to the Changing Energy Podcast, episode number seven. Love it. Lucky number seven. Today we have our normal type of episode, but we have an interview a little bit later coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, we'll just kind of figure out what everybody's been up to lately. Sean, anything anything going on in your world? Um, well, we had a recent outage in, in my neighborhood, so my fiance got to see firsthand how I handle everything when working from home. She doesn't <laughs> seem to be interested anytime I do it for anybody else, but, you know, when it happened where we Oh, were yeah. Back, oh, she was paying a lot of attention then. <laughs> <laughs> when the outage is at your house, the, the spouses yeah. really want to know what you're going to do about it. Tone yeah. changes. <laughs> it's somebody else's outage. She's like, do you really have to? Yeah, basically. Basically. It's like, do you have to go, Wendy? I was like, it's, it's, my, it's my job, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And, Kirk, you had a cow incident? Yeah, we have a pet cow named Momo, and uh, she's been with us about four years. You kind of you kind of went past it really quick. Momo, yeah, Momo, yeah, not Momo, not Momo. Yeah, no, just <laughs> it's uh, Momo. She's special because we bottle fed her when you know she was born, and Aww. and so uh, she's in the backyard, and and she's over a thousand pounds now, and about four years old, and. She's by herself, and there's other cows, you know, behind her in another pasture. Mm-hmm. Well, this weekend, she decided to, uh, you know, get wild and uh, break through the fence. Oh, and wow. so then we had to chase her down, and she was going through the watermelon patch and the garden and everything. And <laughs> Wild moment. We're, we're running her down and trying to get her jibs, the sweet feed, to get her back in the fence. <laughs> we finally got her in, so then I'm like, well, let me pull a car up beside the block where the, you know, she took the fence down so Makes she sense. can't get out again. And uh, we did that, and then we're walking away, and then we look over there, and she goes up to the car and, and knocks the side mirror off the car. So I'm like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> this is sounding like an Ed Wheeler story. Yeah, almost, almost. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my so the long story short, you know, she's good. She's happy. We got the fence fixed and uh, she's got more mm. pasture in the back and, and everything's good. But it was crazy there for a while. So great. I uh, got to visit a friendly neighboring co-op area, Jones Onslow Electric Cooperative. My uh, parents have a, a home in Topsail Beach. And so mm-hmm. I took my family down there. And just like all the the weather in North Carolina, every afternoon we got to see a torrential storm. Of course. And uh, just rain, rain, rain. And, you know, lightning at a beach is beautiful. And you were saying Raleigh was seeing some pretty pictures of lightning. Mm -hmm. And so I got the question from the family. If we're in the water and lightning strikes the water, are we going to get electrocuted? Like how far does it go in the water? Right. So uh, I, I explained to them that um, it, it hardly ever hits the water. It's kind of like a heat lightning over the water. But if it does hit the hit the water, water is a conductor. Salt water uh-huh. is a conductor. Uh-huh. Yes. But the deeper you are, the more likely the current's going to go around you in the water and not go through you. So uh, actually, the safest place to be if you're out on a boat, is in the water than in the boat because the boat is more vulnerable yeah. than, oh, wow. than the water. Oh, my and goodness. so I have this story when I was – I took my son scuba diving in the Bahamas one time, and we got caught in a storm. We, did, we were supposed to do two dives, and after the first dive, my son was feeling a little queasy from the, the motion of the ocean, and mm-hmm. so he decided to set the next one out. So we sit out, and – He's not feeling good. The boat is rocking, uh-huh. and it and this storm comes, and lightning hits the water. The captain of the boat is standing at the helm holding a metal rod oh, um, no. at the wheel because he's holding oh, on because no. he's trying to, like, balance. I happen to be standing not holding on to anything, just kind of surfboarding the, the boat. Uh-huh. My son is sitting there on a plastic um, seat, head kind of down, and lightning hits. And that captain hit the ground. He was like, ah, oh he screams. Yeah. And, and he felt the current through the metal rod of, yeah. of the boat. Meanwhile, nobody underneath knew anything had happened. So they were completely safe down there. So wow. that was kind of cool. 
So you'd have a decision then. Just think about it. You're out jump there. in the water. Yeah, you're yeah, out there fishing. The now, are you you going to take the chance of getting you know struck by lightning in the boat, or are you going to jump into the water and take the chance of sharks? <laughs> Yes. And that might be a little something we oh, talk man. about a little bit later, maybe with some, uh, you know, uh, wind energy. I don't know. I just, you know, uh, done, done, done. Let us go forward. We're going to go ahead and uh, hit a news clip. And now the news. All right. Oh. What, what newspaper do you have there? All right. I've got the News and Observer. Observing from, the news. Uh, July 25th, uh, the title of the article is Biden Plan Would End North Carolina Offshore Wind Moratorium. And moratorium, the definition of that is a temporary prohibition of an activity. I had to, you know, define that because, you know, it's not memorial or anything like that, moratorium. And then you got excited about prohibition. Well, yeah, (laughs) some people might have thought about the era of, uh, you know, the whiskey and bourbon. Oh, the speakeasies. The speakeasies. The speakeasies. Got the, uh, How do you get into a speakeasy? It's, you know, they have like secret, you know, kind of uh, passwords like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. We got off track. <laughs> but basically the article is just talking about Biden would uh, reverse a uh, previous president's moratorium on new leases for wind energy in the Atlantic Ocean. There was a 10-year moratorium you know, put on the Atlantic and how this would benefit North Carolina because uh, Duke Energy and Total Energies, they've got two adjacent uh, leases off of uh, Brunswick County and Avon Grid has an area leased off Kitty Hawk. From those three leases, it could power as much as, uh, you know, 1.2 million homes. So, you wow. know, it would bring, you know, clean energy and jobs and, uh, you know, money into North Carolina. Cool. Anybody seen a wind farm? Have you seen a wind wind farm? Seen what it looks like? I believe I have. I mean, when you know, just trips, right? And driving and seeing a lot of. Yeah, there, there's. If you go to the Midwest and you go to Texas and you'll be driving along, driving along, then all of a sudden you see fifty in a in a field and. See, I've never seen them. Really, okay, yeah. I, I, not I've in person. One, I've, I've seen, seen one in passing. I've yeah. seen like you know pictures. You know, yeah. when I was looking, you know, doing some research, on they them. are huge. They are huge historically. Uh, North Carolina has never been a state that generates enough wind to sort of justify. There are certain states, especially Texas, and up the whole Midwest of the country, there's a constant wind. At, like Tornado and, Alley or something out west. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tornadoes <laughs> is the worst thing for a wind. Well, I'm just saying, but, you know, the terminology <laughs> of the area out there. Um, <laughs> so, But we don't have a consistent wind. We have it in two places, right on top of the mountains, mm-hmm. in the Boone area and on the Appalachian Trail, and on the coast. Yes. There's only two consistent places, and nobody wants a wind farm on their mountaintop, and nobody that bought that beach home necessarily wants to see a wind turbines <laughs> out there. Because what I was reading, uh, a, an article about someone that did have a home, that there's lights and blinkers. Obviously, these are out in navigable waters. Oh, yeah. They're tall, so planes have to see them. So they're lit up and blinking. So now you've taken this, this starry... A coastline view that you've been used yeah. to having, and at night it's just a bunch of blinking lights on, on the coast. So uh, that was a big thing. But anyway, uh, I, I did do some research on this because I'm sure this would be of interest. We could probably do a whole episode because I went down a rabbit hole yesterday looking at at w- offshore wind projects, <laughs> oh, and it just one led to another. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. But I did want to just hit real quickly the benefits and disadvantages of uh, offshore wind. All right. Benefit. The wind speeds are faster over water. And here's a, here's a uh, fact that I read. That a wind speed of 15 miles per hour generates double the electricity of 12 miles an hour. So those three miles per hour. Just three miles. Wow. I, don't, I, I haven't done those calculations, right, but that but was yeah. what this article said. Yeah. That 15 doubles the amount of generation of a 12 mile per hour. So having that speed over the water yeah. makes a difference. Okay. Wind is more consistent over water. You uh-huh. can count on it blowing most of the time. Mm-hmm. Here is a really interesting fact. Energy needs are typically greater near the coast. And listen to this. Really? Weird. Yeah, so so, so well, where are the big cities? Well, yeah, New York, LA. Okay, I'm following you. All right. Right? Yeah, so two and two together. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you're going to find, you know, big cities are going to be near navigable waters. Even right. Chicago is on, right. sure. you know, a big yeah. lake. Um, did you know that 
of all people in the world live within a hundred miles of a coast. Forty percent, right? So there is a so actually the transmission required because everybody says, well, you have to you have to if you're going to generate it out there, then you have to tr- get it back to the land, and then you've uh-huh. got to transmit it to where it's needed. And one of the benefits to consider is that a lot of the energy needs are on the coast. Are on the coast, yeah. so it makes that even you know a, a, a decent location for that. They don't consume water; they're domestic. They create clean clean energy jobs. All that I did read that the largest offshore wind farm in the world is off the coast of the UK. And if you're interested, we'll probably put this in the in the show notes. Uh-huh. But if you just Google UK offshore uh-huh. wind and then hit the images button, you'll see water with just a huge grid of wind turbines. So if anybody miles. wants to see what this looks yeah. like, that's the best way to to to, to see. What's out there? Yeah, definitely check it out, everyone. Yeah, let's talk about disadvantages and right. the big. And there's a real big one. It's expensive. I mean, it's really expensive. Think about the foundations that you need to that you need to to place to hold up these In water these yeah. seventy to to one hundred and fifty foot tall wind turbines. In the water. In the water. Uh, so you have these big foundations. You also have to put submarine cable underneath to transmit this back. This has got to go on the bottom of the ocean for many, many, many years. So it's got to be shielded. And, you know, it's got to be protected from hitting, being sandblasted yep. by by the currents and also by wildlife. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, sharks yes whales yes you could also youtube this we'll put this clip in there too of a shark biting at a cable and and the reason why that's can be typical is that sharks use electromagnetic you know waves to to hunt their prey and so they're looking for you know looking for their prey that way and so when they come across a cable that's emitting some electromagnetic spectrum they could just choose to bite down. Now, these are typically shielded cables and are, are meant to withstand probably a few bites, yeah. but not something chewing on it for a long yeah. time. But. That's true. And in my research, I was kind of wondering what submarine cable was like because us, we're in the Piedmont area of North Carolina. We have no <laughs> submarine cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I knew that we have a cooperative out in the San Juan Islands off the coast of Washington State, <clears throat> and that cooperative is called Orca's Power and Light Co-op, and we actually have the engineer there was previously an engineer to a co-op in North Carolina. So I called him up yesterday, and I asked him, I said, tell us what it's like to manage this submarine cable, and he was very positive on it. He says it's expensive for sure, and it's it's really interesting technology, but in 2017-18, they changed out all of their submarine cable, which was 27 miles of submarine cable. Wow. They oh, wow. connect yeah. they're an electric utility that connects twenty islands. Twenty <laughs> islands. The San Juan wow. Islands. And uh, their longest run was only three miles. So they don't have any long submarine cable. Right. But he says he was he's always impressed with how well it holds up. Right now they just replaced that forty five year old cable and uh, while it had gone through a lot being yeah. he claims that it sits at three hundred feet down and has a current of four knots 24 hours a day. And oh, wow. so it pretty much gets sandblasted for 45 yeah. years. And so it wore down the, the outer edges. But they're expecting the next cable that they just replaced to go 50 years at least. So mm-hmm. surprisingly, the submarine cable uh, can last for a long time. Yeah. I wonder how thick it is. I need a oh, little bit of research to kind it's of not, see. It's uh, yeah. four inches, five inches. So that's interesting, like talking I'm kind of about they're underground, I guess, compared to our underground. Yes, <laughs> you know they're also and they're also running fiber, you know? fiber between in that same shielded cable. Yeah. They're able to put fiber linking all these islands up by fiber optics too wow. with that submarine cable. So pretty cool. Oh, that's a lot of islands. It is yeah. cool. You get on a boat to go for the underground instead of getting on a bucket truck. Right. <laughs> Maintaining cable at three hundred feet, you know, can't be done with divers. It has to be done with a drone. Oh, that's cool. Submarine. Well, hey, yes. And the technology. You know yeah. what I mean? Changing in. Because that's deep. Because deep, deep is, yeah. is a little much for a scuba Yeah, diver. I was going to say. Yeah. Out of there. <laughs> it's your turn. 
I did it last time. Oh, I'm still recovering from the bends. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really hard to build one of these any more than 200 feet deep. You could also look this up. They are experimenting with some floating uh, wind turbines. I uh, thought that was a, I oh thought that gosh. was a joke at first, uh. but as I did some research on there, they they are working on some floating ones. I don't know how. Then you've got just got cable management because then yeah. the cable's got to come down. Get the anchors. You, you and, got you got yeah. to anchor it down. So I don't know, but uh, maybe more uh, less expensive, but difficult to maintain. Wind and waves from tropical weather can really damage hurricanes. These. Yeah. And then you find yourself replacing them because of the wind conditions and tropical forces. So the Atlantic and off the coast of North Carolina doesn't seem to be the best suited for this just because of those extreme events that, that we get. Yeah, and that increases the cost, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is the maintenance. And then effects on marine animals, not fully understood. Like I said, fish respond to electromagnetic energy signals. But there's just so much marine life from reefs to eelgrass to, you know, and eelgrass yeah. is where certain fish spawn. And, yep, you know, yeah. it's, 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 you have all these considerations and you can actually go on and look at some of these projects to see just the number of environmental studies they have to do to get this approved they are visible 26 miles away so if you have a coastal home and you have that home that that bought it because they could just look at the ocean if it's not 26 miles out you're going to see it at on a clear night and so that is sometimes unpopular mm-hmm. among uh, local residences yeah yeah because you wonder like how many miles like how long what would be the square miles that you know that's going to take up on the ocean yeah i think that's probably that's got to be a lot you can probably see that from you know space yeah that amount of of space for sure um but they there's lots of pictures of you know boats having to navigate around these things they're not far (laughs) from the the coast most pictures you see you can see the coast Mm -hmm. you know in the same picture um the UK might not have all the beach houses anyway, like North Carolina. But anyway, this there are some benefits yeah. and and it does help us get renewable generation off the coast and, and on you know and, and serve those areas of the coast. But there are a lot of there's a lot of question marks on right. what they look like visually, the expense that goes about it. But we all know we're in a in a time of inflation right now where if oil doesn't come down, you know, with natural gas being our primary uh, fuel, um, that we're going to need to uh, make this transition somehow, some way. And yep. uh, this is a, another solution that we'll keep our eyes on on this podcast. And quick question. Now, you said that we do have a wind farm. That's Elizabeth City, right? I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Okay. Well, cool. That's a, that's a good news article. Yeah. Something that, was... that we'll be uh, paying close attention to. Well, uh, for the rest of the episode, we have an interview coming up uh, that I think you will enjoy, and then we'll hit some questions. Hey there, we're having fun here at the Changing Energy Podcast because we have a guest in the studio, uh, Mr. Dan Austin. Hello, everyone. Oh, that mic sounds good. You are obviously a natural at this. And uh, we met Dan and several different ways. I first met Dan when I stood in front of the town commissioners at the town of Roseville to talk about charging stations for electric vehicles. Correct. And you were there. And so, uh, Dan, you are town commissioner for Roseville. How long have you been doing that? Um, For the last eight months now. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that experience? Awesome. Yeah. You- I, re- I really honestly enjoy giving back at my community. Right. Um, Due to the fact of my 17 year of military service, so now it does give me the opportunity to serve in a different capacity now. And, and the branch of service you were with, uh, United States Army. Oh, thank you very yeah. much for that. Thank you. And you are also an electric vehicle owner. Yes, sir. Of the 2021 Mach E Ooh, Premium, the Mustang all wheel drive. Okay, so. <clears throat> Dan had a chance to bring that out so we could see it. It's red, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's a sweet-looking car. Yeah. And uh, and he mm. came out because we wanted to give him and his wife and his whole family the opportunity to drive a Tesla high-performance Model Y. Mm-hmm. And you had that experience. Yes. And we would love if you could tell us sort of your your initial thoughts. Okay, well, 
First of all, my initial thoughts is that I wish I could drive my Mustang more often because my wife <laughs> put me on some type of allowance, I, I should say. Allowance. So she gets first choice. Oh, yes. And well. she laughs at me because I have to drive the gas vehicles. Um, <laughs> is that the allowance? I mean, trying to, you know, and she's got the I think electric. it's more the aesthetics. I think she just yeah. likes being in that car. Yeah, yeah she loves it. So she's not it. like limiting your miles or minutes. No, um, well, actually, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> I say I, I, out of a seven day period, I drive it on Sundays <laughs> to go into church. All right, wow, <laughs> going to church, not going. coming back from church. Oh, she, so gets she, it, <laughs> she gets it coming back. Just going to church. So, so obviously, this is the preferred vehicle in the family, which means she gets first choice. She, yes, always, always. Happy wife, wife. happier. Husband. Yeah. I was going to say, happy, happy wife, life. happy life. Uh, uh, and so. I changed that. Happy wife, happy your husband. Uh, she get what she wants. That. I get what I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can say that the uh, Maki is much quieter than the Tesla. Oh, okay. Like um, road noise? Road noise, uh, interior wise, like you can hear that humming sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside the Maki, I didn't. So that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. The Maki has three modes. It has the unbridled, which you can drive it almost like the Mustang uh, stick shift. Oh, oh okay. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that has a lot of jerking power to it, which, I mean, is not good if you got a bad neck and a bad back. You know, feel <laughs> oh, that. gosh. But uh, you get that feeling of shifting gears. Yeah. Yes, you does. Okay. How, how does that work? I mean, is, is there a lever you... Or no, it's right that, there on the uh, screen. Uh, you can have the engage mode and whisper. So it's whisper, engage, and unbridled. So whisper mode, you don't hear anything, and it's real, real quiet. Right. And then you can go to uh, engage mode, which gives you a little bit of rumble, like that Mustang. Oh yeah. So it's created to yeah, give you that, that feel. feel. And then unbridled, you can drive it like you on the track. Yeah. Mm. But it has too much of a jerking power because as soon as you come off the accelerator, you're going to stop. Right. So you got to be knowing in advance. Right. So it makes the rumbling sound because I've heard people say it's got the muscle cars. They love to hear the bum, 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 you right. know? <laughs> right. Right. And this one, it you doesn't know, sound EV, like you don't that. Get it, but right. It doesn't sound yeah. like, like that deep, but it does right. give you that Mustang sound. Right. What's it sound like? Like, <laughs> Okay. Let me hear yours again. <laughs> but I mean, that's some, you know, those muscle cars right. back right. in the day. You're right. I mean, you know, You're right. people love to hear that. You're right. You know, you actually brought the tag into, and I'm looking at it. it says fuel economy and environment. It's listing 90 miles per gallon E. I'm not a, is it, it's fully, it's not a hybrid. It is fully electric. Fully electric. Okay. And it says a range of 270 miles. Actually, for this one is incorrect because if you look on the other side, we bought the extended battery life. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, and that actually takes the vehicle to three hundred three. Okay, three hundred three. Okay, gotcha. All on right. the full charge, but of course they recommend that we only charge it up to eighty five percent because right. uh, battery the, life. The battery life can go from seven years uh, to ten years. So the only time that we actually charge it to one hundred percent was when we drove it to Kansas City. Okay. Did Go you ahead. tell that um, with the, the mileage, like when you drove it to Kansas City, it might have said 303, but technically you might only got 260 or 270? No. You, you know, because, you know, with the Tesla, the more energy you're using, you know, the faster you're going, the brightness of the screen, the air condition, the heat and everything like that takes from the battery. Yeah. So, so I didn't know with the Mustang, do, do you see that? Like if it says – you know, you got 250 miles to go, but but really you might only have 230 miles left on the battery. Have you noticed any of that yet? I saw some of that uh, when the girls had that iPad mm-hmm. charging. Kind of drawing from the energy, the battery, yeah. And then along, along with the AC, uh-huh. you know, for me, I like that natural air coming in yeah. when you're on the highway. All right, while you guys were chatting, I had to look up what this was. Okay. Miles per gallon equivalent. Equivalent. That's okay. what that E stands oh, for when it says this thing is saying ninety MPGE, miles per gallon equivalent. And so what the EPA did to try to match up gallons per 
units, Unit. mm-hmm. they basically said 33.7 kilowatt hours is the equivalent. They're using it just as an equivalent, so like as a gallon. So this is 90 miles per gallon equivalent. Wow. And so you're really only putting, if that were right, about the equivalent of three gallons of gas in the car to go 270 miles. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. to go 270 miles, this car needs the equivalent of three, three gallons. gallons of gas. Wow. So yeah. I just looked that up while y'all were talking. That's a pretty yeah. cool. Now, step. the uh, charging price that we spent from uh, Roseville to Kansas City was $112 total. Okay. Wow. Oh, oh so, you're, so, you're, you're breaking hearts right now. People listening yeah, to this. I was going to say, I love that because if the last road trip we did was in 2019 in my Tahoe, I mean, oh, right. a hundred dollars would have been from here to the mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And the way gas prices were a few weeks, well, a month ago when you went, it was four twenty nine, four thirty nine. It's starting to come down a little bit now, but it probably would have cost you. Eight hundred bucks to Easy. go to Kansas City and back. That's in gas because that's on the other side of Missouri, isn't it? Actually, we're on the Kansas, yeah, Kansas City, yeah. Missouri side yeah. is yeah. where um, yeah. our parents live. At so um, oh, man, that is yeah, so. Like you, you said, you're breaking. I I got to sit. <laughs> I sat and drove the the Maki around, and this is not the GT. Not the GT, correct? Okay, all right. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but when I drove. I noticed the dash of the Maki looked more like a real car dash. The Tesla, if you've driven in a Tesla, it does not. It looks like a golf cart. Dash. Looks just like an iPad. Yeah, the ones we have. Yeah, and that's one thing that I actually written down that I thought was kind of unique is that the screen in the Maki uh, was about a half an inch bigger. It's about fifteen and a half. Okay, but it's also is going into the portrait style uh, versus the Tesla. Is more of the landscape, and mm-hmm. it's about 15 inches. One thing, um, so I wrote this down. The center screen is far easier to operate and doesn't require multiple screen steps to actual activate routine features such as using the defroster or adjusting the mirrors. So I, I do like the fact that I can control while I'm driving my mm-hmm. AC versus I'm having to write and yeah, reach, reach over and hit buttons. And for me... That feature is good with me having multiple sclerosis. I don't have that time to go over to the screen and try to okay, find right. it. It's, right. I need that easy access. Right. Easy access. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing that the Maki feature that I, I love that I wish that the Tesla had right. to give the operator that option. And, and the higher Tesla models, maybe the Model S, some of the others, they might have a, a different. Yeah, you know, I've only display. been in a yeah. Y or a We've only three. been in, we, you know, here on in our fleet, we've got. You know, three model um, threes, threes, and then two model Ys. Yeah, and that's all we're used to. So for one week, we let you drive the the model Y, and your wife had that experience too. Drivability, mm-hmm. everything. Still, they both drive. Oh, drive awesome! Both vehicles got power from the time you tap on that accelerator. Yeah. I love that both features, both vehicles. I'm sorry, had the feature of the one pedal. Right. That's awesome. Also, mm-hmm. so for people with disabilities or missing limbs, mm-hmm. that one feature, oh, yeah. okay, one better feature. I thought about awesome. it. You're right. Yeah, that's right. Because in the past, I had had a car accident back in '08, Ashley, and I totaled my truck because my legs had gave out. Okay. So with the features like hand controls and things like that added to the vehicle, or if you just have mobility in one leg. Mm-hmm. That one pedal feature is awesome. Okay, so, I hadn't thought about that. I know. I mean, it's good. It's easy for a handicap yeah. assessed person. Okay, good information. Now, do you have a charging station in your house, or do you just charge yes. off of one ten? All right. So you bought a, a charger. Tell me a little bit about that charger. Oh, the charger came with the vehicle. Um, and then I had an electrician start it. I'm, I'm sorry, install it, and then I was nice enough to. Um, hear about the partnership with the EVs and Wake Electric. So I right. took everything yeah. over. Taking advantage of that two so cent a kilowatt hour. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. For the peak hours for everyone listening from 10 p.m. to 6, 6 a.m. Right. <laughs> nice. yes. yes, we offer a whole house discount, which is, you know, utilities around the country are trying to figure out what's the best way to allow 
as many electric vehicles because this is a win-win. It is. We uh, yeah. we want to sell more electrons. We just want to sell more electrons when there's capacity, plenty available. Yes, sir. And, and so what incentive can we give to do that? There is a ton of technology coming down the road. I think there's going to be an episode coming up before too long where we start talking about working with folks like yourself to actually get data from your vehicle that tell us when you're charging at home so we could offer a special rate just for your vehicle charging. Right now, we offer a whole home discount to, to incent you to make sure you're charging overnight. Yes, sir. That. So when you charge going down the highway, we've talked and seen a lot about the Tesla superchargers. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are they plentiful for the other models out there? Are you having trouble finding charging stations, or are they easy to find? Okay. Um, That's a great question. That's what I want to know. And we had a mixture of both experiences because with the the Maki Electrified America is the charging station, the fast chargers that we were trying to find. And you could find most of them near a Walmart, um, a super Walmart. Right. So that's what we tried to look for along the route. That was probably the most tedious thing that we had to do along planning the whole entire trip. Now, does your Mach-E, does it plan it for you? Like when you put in the GPS, Roseville to Kansas City, it'll tell you where to stop and where those charging stations are located off the interstate? Yes. Okay, but that's good. But the only thing I don't like about that is that it may take you 20 miles out the way. Oh. <laughs> because it's looking for <laughs> yeah. a fast charger. It's looking right. Specifically for the Mach-E. For the fast chargers. Yeah. Uh, because uh, that's the network that's inside the Ford network mm-hmm. or the, the Ford Pass app. Yeah. For us, we was like, no, I'm not going to go 20 miles out the, the route. If this is a slow charger, then we just be stopping for dinner or right. charging it overnight while we at a hotel. Right. Yeah. So that's how we had to do it to make sure that we stop according to our needs. How many times did you stop going? Um, we plant. Every two and a half hours, we stopped so we can stretch our legs. Mm-hmm. That was uh, kind of your experience, too. Yep, yep. I, that's what I was going to say. In he drove to Nashville not oh. too long ago. Yeah, cool. in, the mo- yeah. in the Model Y, and it was about every two and a half hours or so. Yep, stop, two, two charge, stretch your legs, let yep. it fast charge. And how long did it take to uh, get a fast charge? 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was short. You can go in Walmart and just – Browse and come back outside. You back up to eighty five percent in yeah, no time. That's similarities to Tesla. So okay, the big question is the power comparison between the Model Y, okay. which was a high performance, right, and the Mach E, which was not a GT, not which a we'll GT. talk about. That. But so I'm we're getting ready to talk about something here that we are going to protect the innocent. Okay, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're not going to say for sure that. That where this was done and when this was done, all we can tell everybody and our listeners, it was done in a safe location. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But we wanted to see a short comparison of power side by side between the Tesla Model Y performance and the Mach-E. I believe you two were present for that. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) To observe. Yeah. We were... We witnessed it. We yeah. were we were there. <laughs> All right. Can you tell us sort of your experience of that? Then we'll talk about the GT. Okay. It was fun. It was great. <laughs> for starters. Yeah. Uh, two. A lot of smiles. Lot of, oh, yes. You know? And the Tesla has a lot of power. That thing took off like a rabbit or a bat out of you know where. Yeah. <laughs> and, Tor- and, talking and, about whiplash. Yeah, oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to... <laughs> understand which mode I actually had the car in because that plays a part, which I didn't even notice. And my wife was like, babe, which mode was the car in? Was it in unbridled to where it gave you more? Because the vehicle itself can go to zero to 60 and 4.8. The GT is faster than that. Yeah. But that didn't happen. <laughs> so it let me know I didn't probably have it in the correct mode to give it that right. true torque that the vehicle can actually do. Now, the Model Y is zero to the performance, zero to 60 is around three and a half seconds, 3.7 seconds. And once I heard that it was not the GT model, right. you know, it was like, wah, 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 <laughs> you know, because I, you know, I'd, I'd been telling people, hey, that Model Y performance. 
is taking out the market. So, so let's just review. <laughs> Two people got in cars. They yep. took off simultaneously, yep. and, and, and the model and the Model Y just took off. Yep. And it's we and, and then you switched drivers. Yep. The individual switched, and it still saw. happened the exact same anyway, way. That's correct. Yep. So I just looked up while you were speaking. It says that a Mach E has the equivalent peak power of 266 horsepower, while the Mach E GT. 480. Yep. So over 200 more. It's almost double. That is amazing. So we're going to have to find a GT. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, well, you might have a GT out there. Give us a call. (laughs) (laughs) You can reach us at. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, that GT, uh, uh, that's the one that we actually ordered, but it was not supposed to be here till October. But this one came up. And it had everything that she wanted. It's a beautiful car. Oh, it is. I, I love the I red. was really, I was really yeah. envious of it when I drove it. It was like, this, this is the nice. interior. I mean, it looks just like a regular car inside, like you said earlier. I mean, that's what I liked about it. And going to the beach, you would definitely like it because the front has a cooler with two cup holders. <laughs> I love it. So you it. tailgate in the front that's right, of the mach And it's cheaper. That is a stylish oh, oh, way to tailgate, yeah, I can tell you. Uh, and it's cheaper. Everyone is less. It is cheaper, but that GT model paying another five six thousand may be worth it to double your horsepower though. If you need it, and you're paying if that. you need it, yeah. yeah. So it'd be into the sixties, like the Model Y performance. Yes, is in the sixties, yes. and the one we're talking about that Mach E was sticker price around fifty seven thousand. Yep, that's including the extended battery. Extended battery, too. and this one is the premium one. Yeah. Well. Mr. Austin. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. We've kept you here for almost 20 minutes talking. It has been a pleasure and it's been yes, fun. We appreciate, first and foremost, your service to the country. Yes, right. Thank you, sir. Um, we appreciate knowing you as a town commissioner for a community that we serve at Wake Electric and yes, anything sir. we can do to help that community, we, we stand ready. We appreciate also your willingness to come in and compare and tell about yep. your story for your electric vehicle. And, yes, sir. And anytime you want to come back, you're welcome. All right. Thank you, everyone, um, for listening out there. And go and experience the EVs for yourself. That's all I can tell you. Awesome. Love it. All right. And now that noise would typically, that's already happened yeah. because we have a bonus interview for us today. We have Trey Muma. Hello. Did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> you did. Thank All you. All right. Trey Muma. Welcome. Is a current student at NC State University. Just finished your first year. First year there. And he had a little bit experience of meeting us about two years ago. Yeah. As a high school student in his junior year. In your junior year because he came on as an intern. Mm-hmm. That internship got cut short a little bit because... Around March of 2020, we know that everybody <laughs> shut down all programs. Yeah. Yeah, so you got cut short a little bit. But tell us a little bit about, about your first year at NC State, including your major. Yeah, so I am an environmental sciences major, and my first year was great. I uh, did a lot considering it was uh, transitioning into college. I'm in the Goodnight Scholars Program, which is um, one of the big scholarship programs at the university. I'm also in the marching mm-hmm. band, which I was first on the fence about because it's a big time commitment, but I'm really yeah. glad I did it. That's the power sound of the about, South. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're good. And you, uh, you're on the drum line. I am on the drum line. I am with um, Don's son, Tyler. He's actually my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah, so we keep an eye on Trey. Oh, of yeah, course. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so far, the classes that I've taken have been the gen eds. Because the way the environmental sciences major is, is structured is that you take two of everything you take two calculuses, two chemistries, two physics, mm-hmm. two statistics, just to give a little, just to introduce you to a, a bunch of different, yeah, yeah, a base. And it, so, um, um, so. At NC State, environmental science, I was looking up environmental science because I, we know what it means, but I was just curious, what mm. is the definition for environmental science? And when I Googled that, the NC State College of Natural Resources was the first thing that came up. 
because right. I think they have a strong focus on yeah. that. Huh? So yeah, so you spend your first two years taking those general classes, and um, you also take one of the classes I took uh, fall semester was called Exploring the Environment, and basically the, the, cl- the class was structured, basically had five workshops that um, introduced you to different areas of environmental science to give you a better idea of what different career paths and in the field look like. So the first one was about energy. Um, the fir- the second one was about urban watersheds. Uh, the third mm-hmm. one was environmental justice. Fourth was water quality. And then the last one was all about climate change. Later, or this semester, I'm taking a class that's just on climate change. And oh, wow. it's um, structured in that it's your typical lecture course, but you're also going to be presenting seminars because climate change is such a big topic that has so many aspects to it that it's hard to f- fit into a just one lecture course about it um and then later on i'll take a class that's just on energy and i'm particularly looking forward to that one because i imagine i'll go into all the different types of energy changes changes and (laughs) yeah exactly and um the economics behind energy and so it's not just going to be like the environmental impacts it's going to be all all different kinds of aspects of aspects that energy affects the environment yeah that was one of the reasons i wanted to have you on is because the way that our industry is changing, I was astounded to think, what could a professor, how would they lead you into something that's changing so fast to kind of help you get ready for the next 10 years? Because we hardly know what the next 10 years are, are going <laughs> to yeah. look like. We, we know that the current economic climate, we know what that looks like. And here we have, we're shutting down some fossil fuel mm-hmm. resources and expecting renewables to be ready to yeah. fill those gaps, and and that's causing a shortfall. And where do we? How do we? How do we get through those gaps? So I'm I'm excited that that you're studying these things, and and this kind of have you a, a reoccurring guest on here to tell yeah, us how your awesome. classes are going. <laughs> um, it does it does sound like that. It gives you a lot of options to look at. Yeah, um, and then but the okay. final part of the major is you choose a focal area. It's basically just a concentration of mm-hmm. what you want to, what you want to do for your career because. Environmental science is such a big and broad field that you can do a lot of things with it. Yep. And so they have all different kinds of focal areas. Um, like they shown on the website, they have a, renew- a renewable energy focal area. That's It's not necessarily on like the engineering behind it. It's more on like the assessing, like can, the, can renewable energy go here? Uh, okay. Can it go here? There's the policy aspect of the of environmental science. There's the communication. There's, of course, there's like the hard sciences, like um, ecology, hydrology, yeah, all different types of li- like that. And so I declare my focal area, I think my junior year. Okay. And um, the ones I'm leaning towards right now is GIS because it's such oh, a broad, because it's so applicable to so many careers and it's becoming more and more demanded by by employers. Geographic information systems. systems. And you have just made one of our guys that's down the hall probably He's about to bust through that door. When he, he probably heard that. I tried to add a woo for him. Yeah. That's what I'm like. Ooh, yeah, I so um, I have to tell you, GIS is so incredibly important to what we do because everything is location-based yeah. yes. for, for everything we do, from where we place the pole to where there are osprey nests. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we face that kind of thing all the time. Everything is based on telecom. Mm-hmm. Can we communicate with the smart grid? Can we communicate to those assets? And, and where does a tower need to sit? You know, and it's just, uh, and now visual images of these assets can be embedded in the GIS. Mm-hmm. So if you just click on a point, here comes a picture of the pole. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So, yeah. So I'm taking a GIS class in the fall to see if I actually like it. And if I don't, then it's not, then it will, because it'll count for my second stats course, which is really nice. Yeah. But if I do like it, then it's the first class for, for that focal area because you have to take five classes for to um, count towards your focal area in order to graduate. Gotcha. Okay. I really want to talk about electric cars because I think they're really interesting just because, just from... <laughs> I'm to the right you, place. You and everybody else. It seems like the like, past few episodes. And I also um, want to talk about um, something called feedback loops, like positive and negative feedback loops. Mm-hmm. Um just because they're so applicable to climate change. Okay. Electric cars. What were your questions about electric cars? So I find electric cars really interesting, not in that, not in like the typical way where like, oh, a car runs on electricity. That's awesome. I find it really interesting in the way that it's being promoted as the end-all be-all for saving the environment when in reality it's 
not. Um, <laughs> not not to say that it helps. Drive, not driving a gas car right. is is beneficial. It's because you can it's you can see the emissions coming out of your tailpipe. Right. But the thing with electric cars is yes, they don't burn gas or any type of fossil fuel, but they have to be charged. And depending on the area, you might be getting your power from a fossil fuel plant, and then you have the, the carbon footprint from that. And depending, this may not be applicable our, to all areas. Like, an, isn't Raleigh um, nuclear mostly? We have sixty uh, percent mm-hmm. nuclear. Is, yeah. is sort of the fuel mix that we, we talk and, about here. Um, so it really de- depends on where you are. If you're out somewhere in California and where there's a, being a lot of investment in solar, then it's that's more sustainable. But if you're in West Virginia, where most of the where most of your power is coming from coal, that's not as good. And uh, there's the whole uh, aspect of the life cycle. Where you ha- the car has to be made, the car the, you have to mine for the lithium to uh, make the yeah. battery. You have to transport it to wherever you are, and that's more and more carbon. Not to mention that they're super expensive, and we don't have. We're working on the infrastructure for charging stations, but we don't have the infrastructure ready to to ease a whole transition from gas um, to electric cars. And then, what do we do with the batteries? Exactly. You know? Like, yeah, <laughs> most most batteries. Uh, last 15, 20 years, and then a lot of, like, the obvious answer is, oh, just recycle them, but not a lot right. of recycling facilities yep. can handle these these That's big batteries. Right. So I think I can agree that it's not the end-all, be-all. We had a, a the guest that was on just prior to you that you haven't heard the interview yet. He brought his, uh, he brought the sticker mm-hmm. from his vehicle, and it gave a miles-per-gallon equivalent. Yeah. And it basically said the equivalent of the cost of gasoline got you 90 miles mm-hmm. so it's so there they're saying 90 miles so you can get farther on on the electricity so you you can cut back on that and those fossil fuel a lot of the coal plants and some of the other generation sources are going to be running 24 hours a day oh absolutely if you're not using that capacity they're still running mm-hmm. so the yeah. so one of the one of the reasons that uh, of utilities promoting it is there's excess capacity we might as well be filling in cars than adding gas fueled cars to this so we'd be adding gas if you if we weren't using that excess capacity and as long as we have excess capacity that's sort of an, an improvement to the to the process yeah i think that um when it comes to batteries and what i've been hearing is that while a battery that has been used for 15 years in a car is no longer adequate to run the car that there's still enough battery capacity to do other things with it, like it would, you would build a bank that would run things in your home and stuff like uh-huh. that. Like, yeah. you know, so yeah. I think that's the next step is to see how we convert yep. a battery that doesn't have the capacity to send a car down the road, but yeah. it has the capacity to do other things to get more, li- a little bit more yeah. life out of it. So we'll be anxious to see what your studies and yeah. energy uh, take you on that for yeah, sure i think in order for this transition for electric to electric cars to be successful there has to be more investment into charging infrastructure and just a better conveying of information of electric cars because i feel like a lot of people just see them like oh that's the obvious answer but it's not necessarily yeah, um, yeah. there are benefits and there's still some question marks for sure definitely so. What was the second thing? Yeah, what was the second thing? I, I was real interested. Tell me again after what you said about EVs. Oh, the feedback loops. The feedback um, loops. What's tell me? Yeah, what's that? So <laughs> feedback loops are they're interesting. It, it pretty much explains explains itself in the name. It's a loop of uh-huh. something, and yeah. they can either be it, when when in terms of the environment, they can either be positive or negative. And positive is uh, the, the opposite of what you think. It's a bad thing, and the negative is a better thing and in terms of climate change if you have a positive feedback loop it's adding to to climate change if you have negative it's mitigating it and um, something that applies to energy that is really interesting is there's a positive feedback loop in terms of electricity use especially with air conditioning because as climate change worsens and we have these more intense and frequent heat waves people are using their air conditioning more especially mm-hmm. in the summer during peak times at say three o'clock when it's the dead of yep. the of the afternoon yeah. and it's 110 degrees out and people are uh, leaning on these air conditioning as their only source of cooling and of course you, using this air conditioning is great but you increasing the use of of this causes a, a bigger strain on um, the grid, the grid mm-hmm. which means that more power is needed, which means 
more. Uh, it's a th- domino effect. Yeah, it's a domino you effect. Know, with and climate change and if the earth's getting hotter and we're using our air conditioned more yep. and everything like that. So I also say you could have the temperature on Monday be 95, the temperature on Tuesday be 90, Wednesday 85, and Thursday 80. Did you know that the grid could be the most strained on Thursday at 80? You know why? Because people have been hot all week, and they're tired of it. And the longer it stays hot, the more they lean on their air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So you could actually peak later, even though it's hot. If, if it's hot for multiple days, the grid is going to conti- continually get more strained. And I think that's one, of the, that's one of the issues we've always had with solar that doesn't include batteries. Yeah. Is you're talking about late in the day, and sun is, is producing the most with solar panels, at the at the midpoint of the day, around one o'clock, once the sun starts to go on the horizon, it starts to go down drastically. Yeah. So as solar is going away, demand is going up, mm-hmm. yep. and that is that is sort of the problem. Without battery storage or without a solution for storing that power, we're going to have to continue to build the capacity to to handle the air conditions at the end of the day. Yeah. And and it's hard to do. It's hard to do with solar alone. So what is the source? Yeah. Exactly. And. Um, there's multiple more examples. A common one that I've heard in my studies is the albedo effect, where you have... Um, <laughs> you have I'm just watching Kirk <laughs> respond to these. You have sunlight come from hit uh, different surfaces. If it's a white surface, such as ice, it reflects. If, you, if it's a darker surface, such as seawater, it, is, it absorbs and it gets hotter. And, as, and as, of course, as, as the, the sea gets warmer and ice mm-hmm. melts, the albedo effect re- is reduced. And, so, and thus you have more sunlight being absorbed into the water, which is heating it up, and so it's just, and which melts more ice. So it's just, it just keeps going. And wow. Holy smokes. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And if you're talking about emissions, you have, uh, which is related, you have permafrost, which contains a lot of methane. And uh, methane is, I think... It was like the last time I saw it was 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide right? in terms of a greenhouse yeah. gas. And so as you have... Momo. Yeah. <laughs> Momo is his cow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so producing yep. methane. Yep. As Cows, you, they get a bad <laughs> rap for that. And so They're as, good to eat, but they get a bad rap for that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you, if, as you have heating intensifies and you have these permafrosts, this permafrost melting, it's releasing all this methane, which is only exacerbating the problem, which leads to more melting and more methane. So it's just, it, it's just a loop that just keeps going. And, Holy smoke. And there's a ton more of these. Like, those are just the ones that I know. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> you can tell we're bringing smart people back. <laughs> oh, yeah. To the podcast. We're going to have to move on. <laughs> but we've given Kirk a lot to think about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to go look at his albedo effect of Momo. (laughs) (laughs) To check it out. That steam rising. (laughs) We are going to move to the next segment, which starts something like this. Ah, Questions. (laughs) Beautiful. We have received some questions in the past. We haven't had any new ones uh, come about, but yesterday I was on the phone with a friend of mine who had questions about outages, mm. um, power outages. We, are, we have just ex- experienced extreme weather here in North Carolina yes, over the past few weeks. Yes, we have. Uh, we've had an afternoon storm, thunderstorm, wind, and rain almost, almost every day. <laughs> so outages day. are top of mind. And, and, you know, frankly, I can understand. Consumers are getting um, more and more angry because they say every time the wind blows, the power goes out. And that can happen, yes. Um, true. There's a lot of tall trees we're the land of the pines down here in in north carolina yep and so the question he asked was are we tracking other utilities outages or are we just looking at our own when we're out you know doing a restoration and first i want to talk about what we do for our own outages we have an outage management system and that is um, an important tool for us because we have to direct our crews directly to the outage as fast as possible. And, and and so we can't just wait for a consumer to call in and tell us their power is out anymore. We used to. We used to do send them postcards and said, send this postcard in when your power goes out. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that seems really slow. Um, and that was the old way of doing it. They reported it by postcard. They just figured we'd have it on in a week or so. But obviously now they want us to be instantly responding to this. So 
Obviously, we have our smart meters. They're reporting outages in. It only takes a few meters to call in for we have a mapping system, a GIS system that shows the connectivity of every meter so that when a few meters start calling in, it analyzes the connectivity and says the scope of the outage is obviously this because we had this meter and this meter and everything in between is going to be out. So let's just go ahead and say the outage is this. And so we have a pretty good understanding of where our outage is and the scope of our outage. We have connected that directly to a statewide association who's watching our numbers real time, along with the other cooperatives in North Carolina. So I wanted to go ahead and say, first of all, all of the Wake Electric members and anybody can go on the Wake Electric um, website and see the outage map. And it's going to not say, you're out, you're, <laughs> you and uh, Trey Muma is out. It's going to say <laughs> that there, it's going to put a bubble and say, in this area, we have about a hundred people out. So rest assured. So if you have your cell phone, if your power's gone out and you have a laptop and you still have a way of connecting with it through your cell phone, you can go in there and see if that bubble is over your area. And if it is, rest assured we know about the outage. That's it. That means we know it. We've already reported it. We report that data back. And if anybody is is interested, and I encourage especially co-op members to do this, um, the North Carolina Statewide Association, which is called the North Carolina Electric Cooperatives has an outage map for the whole state that shows cooperatives that have outages and where those outages. It's live 24-7. I'm on it right now. There's probably 20 counties affected by outages of less than 99 people. So there's periodic outages all over the state Yes. right now, but no big ones. They're all kind of small and probably being handled. You can actually look it up by co-op. And so I will tell you the way we use this at Wake Electric, I think the most telling one was Hurricane Michael. Now, if you remember, Florence came from the Atlantic, and we were watching Florence for days. I mean, it was coming, and we knew it was coming. We were preparing for it. Florence came and hit the coast, and we and it devastated cooperatives like Jones Onto Electric and Brunswick Electric right there in the Wilmington and, and Shalote areas. But then it paused and hung over them for a while and then turned and went over, and we were seeing the devastation there, but we saw it going around us. Michael was soon after that. It came from the Gulf of Mexico, and it came from our west, and we never get worried about those because... They've been over land for a significant amount of time. They're weakening as they come. Yeah. But something about Michael, we started watching it come, and we watched the co-ops because it was going to pass over about four or five co-ops before it got to our territory. And I started watching this map and could see, wow, it's tearing them up. It was Mm -hmm. tearing up Union outside of Charlotte. It It was tearing up Randolph outside of Asheboro. And we knew it was coming our way. And you had the weather layer. And we had the weather layer on top of it to see this is going to hit harder than we thought. Yeah. And we could, and it gave us a couple hours of preparation for that. Mm. So, yeah, so we have those type of tools. Also, Duke Energy has a tool. So, if you're a Duke Energy uh, customer or, or not, you can see what outages they're having. I don't, I couldn't find a singular map that included everybody so you can kind of check around but i think uh, these websites are kind of representative so while we don't personally connect to another utility to see all their outages they're posted just like ours and we can see it so and we'll make sure to add that website to our description of this episode yeah we want to i want i'll add the duke one i'll add the north carolina uh, electric oh yeah if you want to see that I'll, I'll go ahead and give it to you over the podcast it's it's www.nc E-M-C-S, which stands for North Carolina Electric Membership Cooperatives. It's plural. N-C-E-M-C-S dot com. And you can check that out. And it's very clearly at the top, outages. So you can just click on that and and see that. Well, Trey, (laughs) thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, we are excited that you're here. We're excited that uh, to know that you're out you're out there learning these things and that we have a generation yep. that is going to be in the market real soon to help uh, take care because we know this is a changing in- industry and it takes a takes a lot of minds to kind of think through these things. Yep. Um, Kirk, how do people find us? How do they reach us? They how do can, they reach they, us? They can reach us at our website www.wmc.com, Spotify, iTunes, Please subscribe, and when ready, please give us a rating. You can call us at 919-863-6400.
888-331-3331. Email us at changingenergy at wemc.com. Follow us on Facebook at Changing Capital NRG. Follow us on Twitter at Changing Capital NRG. Please leave us some feedback. Send us some questions. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, you're going to be working on that TikTok account. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> been yeah, trying to capture technology. Been trying to capture Kirk uh, live on some TikTok uh, potential here on him uh, learning the technology around here. So I'm uh, fiddling with the camera today. He only took a few pictures before he realized he had no SD card yeah. in the camera. So. Hey, it's the way to reach younger audiences these days. TikTok. Yeah. Here we oh, come. Man. So we've got to do a YouTube and a TikTok. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Sean, here we go. Thank you for listening to the Changing Energy Podcast. Our broadcast team consists of Don, Kirk, and Sean, with special appreciation for our producer, Ira Osby, and also Leanna Crumpler, our art and social media guru, and Deshaun Gibbs, music and everyday smiles. We look forward to you joining us on our next podcast. Until then, keep the energy going. So there's this uh, voice that I can do where I can get really loud and nobody expects it. Do it. I, I do it. I do it a lot, especially during uh, celebrations at um, restaurants for people's birthdays. So everybody will say happy birthday. And then I'll be in the background. I'll go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.